Hallelujah. 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 I want to make sure I'm in the right place to see him work. And so we enter in with thanksgiving and then on into the courts with praise. Glad to be in this house today. We're going to continue with our living unselfishly lessons today. And I guess maybe this was appropriate for the week coming up, but love without limits. And so we must display love without limits if we're going to model Jesus Christ and live unselfishly. If we're going to truly live an unselfish life, then we have to learn to love people without limits. Praise the Lord. Let's, let's just go ahead and pray for the lesson. Jesus, thank you today for all that you do. Thank you for the love that you've shown us. Lord, that you looked past our faults and saw our needs. And God, today I pray that we'll receive this word. Let it fall on good ground. We want to be better, more like you. We want to be the church you've called us to be. We want to be ready to meet you when you come. We ask it today in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give the Lord another hand clap for his word. Give him a shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thankful for his word. You can be seated. God bless you this morning. There's a, a narrative we're going to read about a, a parable that Jesus gave. While traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, a certain man was ambushed by a band of thieves. He was caught completely unaware and unable to adequately defend himself. This man was beaten to the point, the scripture says, he was half dead. Robbed of all his valuable, valuable possessions and abandoned on the side of the road. It was a busy road used by dozens throughout the day. Dazed, confused, and dying, this man assumed that he was actually going to die until he heard the footsteps of an approaching traveler. The wounded man let out his loudest moan, hoping to get the attention of the passerby. He did get his attention. However, the priest, who was approaching, felt compelled more by his temple responsibilities than he did his moral obligation. The call to serve the people was louder than the call to take care of his neighbor. As the priest faded into the distance, the man was once again left to wonder how much longer he could maintain consciousness and whether he would or whether this really was the end. Then he heard more footsteps, the footsteps of someone who sounded in a hurry. Again, he let out his loudest moan, hoping to get the attention of the hurried traveler and the religious Levite saw the wounded man. He did have thoughts of helping him, but he quickly dismissed those thoughts when he realized how late it would make him to his next appointment. His desire for approval clearly outweighed his willingness to show empathy. And as he hurried on past the bloody body, he reassured himself he was doing the right thing. The man's condition was worsening by the minute. His eyes were going heavy. His breathing labored, and his hope for help was all but gone. Then he heard several footsteps, more like hooves, from what he could tell by the rhythm that they were making. And then he heard a voice that gave the dying man hope until he recognized the accent. A Samaritan, he's more likely to finish me off than he is to help me, the man thought. The beast came to a stop and the rider dismounted. As the Samaritan came near, the wounded man lost consciousness, having all but given up assuming he was going to die at the hand of another enemy. But instead, the Samaritan began to bandage his wounds to treat him. He rearranged the blankets spread over his donkey so that the beast could carry the dying man as comfortable as possible. 
The Samaritan took the man to a nearby inn, a safe and comfortable place for this beaten man to recover. He stayed with the injured man through the night, and the Samaritan left the next morning, giving enough money for the innkeeper to provide further treatment for the man until he had fully recovered. This is an incredible display of love for someone other than himself. Whatever the reasons were that the priest and Levite chose not to get involved, this story reveals the power of love and compassion that we should have for those who may not be just like us. Isn't that something? That's the lesson that Jesus uh, taught many times, and it's a lesson that we need to learn that uh, living unselfishly to love without limits is uh, that love that we are so thankful that God has, that unconditional love. That, uh, and we need to realize that if we are going to love without limits, that we have to realize what true godly love does. It always gives outside of itself. There's nobody that was more unlike God than we were. And so God uh, saved us. Even though we were created in his image, we were unholy. We were, one place Peter wrote said, you know, there was a time that you weren't even a people, but now you are the people of God. Jesus said, I came to seek and save that which was lost. He said, those that are righteous or those that are healthy and whole don't need a physician, but those that are sick. I, I came to find the ones who are the least likely to be accepted and the least likely to be even seeking me. I came to find them, to show them love because love covers a multitude of sin. Because godly love, the love that God has and the love that moves inside of us once we're filled with the Holy Ghost is that kind of love that will look at any individual and say there is hope for them. I don't care what they've done and how our flesh may back off, there is still hope for them if they will turn to God. And what if it is our chance? What if this is our opportunity to reach out and love somebody and make a difference? In this story, there was a lawyer that got this whole ball rolling. He, he came and he was tempting the Lord. And in Luke 10 and 25, it says, the lawyer stood up and tempted him and he, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And the Lord says, what's written in the law? How do you read it? How are you reading this? And so the lawyer answers, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. But he willing to justify himself, plus he's trying to trip Jesus up. He wants him to say something so out of character that the people will turn against him. So he he says unto Jesus, who is my neighbor? Now, he doesn't ask him about who God is because religious people always say they got God figured out. He's going to the second half of it. Well, who is my neighbor? Then who am I supposed to love the same way that God loves me? Who am I supposed to love uh, like myself? Who, who, who is my neighbor? Because we already know that there's differences in that land between Samaritans and Jews. The woman at the well said, 
why are you asking to drink of me? We, you know the Jews and the Samaritans don't have any dealing one with another. And so we already know there's a, a cultural difference there, that there's religious differences there. There's all kind of walls built all through there. And so the Lord pulls this out perfectly when he begins to describe the ones who were passing by this wounded man, but it was a Samaritan who showed what love was really about. Yeah. Who is your neighbor? It's more than Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Who is your neighbor? You know what the answer is? Anyone. Yes. Yes. Our neighbor is not defined by who we are, right. but by who they are. Anyone. If our neighbor is simply defined by who we are, then we only love those who are like us. And that is a problem in the world today. Because groups draw lines and, and create organizations and, and they, they get cliques and, and packs and all clubs and all these things. And, and they only associate with the ones who identify with them. But that's not the love that God wants us to have. Can I tell you today that the love of God is so strong that and so powerful that you can love people who are not like you and it won't damage you? I'm afraid we act like people who are different from us are contagious. That I'm going to catch their junk. I'm going to catch their sin if uh, I get too close to them. But Jesus sat at the table with them. He touched that, you know, I love the story. The leper came down from the mountain. Jesus is coming from the mountain. He preached a great message. He's walking down. Here comes this leper just busting the crowd up. Falls down. He what do you want me to do? I want you to heal me. And so before he, anything, he just touches him before he says anything. Knowing that the leper is unclean. Knowing that everybody's going to be like. (laughs) But Jesus understands something that I know who I am. And ain't nothing so bad that, that it can take away who I am. It's not going to change me. I'm about to change it. Don't you know that the love of God that's inside of you, if you will let it out and show it, that it's more apt to change somebody than it is to change you? Oh, yeah. You always know said that um, about... Uh, when Jesus, he, he's talking to this lawyer a little bit further into the, after he tells the whole parable. It says that what the Samaritan did was had compassion on the man. Now the Bible says some we save by pulling them out of the fire and others. Compassion making a difference. The difference between this man living and dying was compassion. It didn't, it, you know, the love did not balk at his skin tone or his accent. Uh, the love that this man had didn't freeze up and, and say, uh-uh, just because uh, he was different or because he was so messed up that he's half dead. Uh, so that means he ain't half good. So let's, why am I going to mess with him? He didn't care. And he took his own oil and he took his own stuff and he worked on this guy. I'm telling you and I, the church, have something that can fix our neighbor if we will not be stingy with it, if we'll unbottle it, if we'll start pouring out, if we'll go ahead and, and look and have that. Now, look, he saw the guy and he didn't go ahead and say, no, he's dead. I'll just leave him. 
He didn't judge his situation. He said, I'll do whatever I can. If he dies, at least I tried. You know what? At least you tried. Maybe they won't come, but at least you tried. Maybe they won't listen, but at least you tried. It doesn't hurt anybody for you to love people. Unselfishly. But we make excuses. I'm too, I just ain't got time. That's not my calling. Somebody else's. You know, we, we have a, a department in our church that does that. I, I, that's not me. I, I'm over uh, this thing, not, not, not that thing. Or we're afraid. Or we just assume they're hopeless. You know, there are things in this world I know that God says is an abomination. I know it. I know what the Bible says about it. He says it is an abomination. But it does not say that I am not to reach for those that are caught up in abomination. I am not approving their lifestyle or their abomination. But the lifestyle that I live is one of love. The lifestyle I live is because of love. The lifestyle that I have uh, preaching and reaching and ministering and helping and, and wanting a ministry and a word of reconciliation to somebody. It doesn't come because, oh, let me find the one who is most like me. I need to find the one who is most like I used to be. So I can say, hey, 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 I've been there. And you thought, oh, it's no hope. Oh, I thought the same thing. It won't work. It won't stick. I thought the same things, but here it is 26 years later. It's still sticking. The love of God can change a life forever. And God's give us that. And so to show that true Christ-like love toward other people, we, we learn to look past their faults. As the old song said, that Jesus looked past our faults and saw our need, we, we look past what's obvious and we just minister. Did he, you know, this guy didn't say his Samaritan was a pharmacist or a doctor or a surgeon. Man, he's breaking up open wine and oil. Pours, hope this works. That's all I got. Let me tell you, if the love of God is all we had, it's powerful enough to save the world. It's powerful enough to fix our house. It's powerful enough to fix our people. It's powerful enough to change. Sin is a destroyer, yet love covers a multitude of sin. I was telling someone just before service, I, I was sitting in my office, and, and you say, well, he's probably an Aaron Deep thought. And actually, I wasn't. I was looking at Facebook. I think maybe it was the Lord. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I saw a post from a person that I know that lives in Covington. And she posted, two of my dearest friends are being baptized today. And I know who these two dearest friends are. One of the young ladies is sister to one of my sisters. The sister has been here before, Charlotte has a sister named Amanda. Amanda, years ago, was married, had kids, and later she decided that she wanted to be divorced, and now she is married to another lady. 
But they have been attending a church that we went to in COVID in the Potter's house for months now because uh, this lady invited them to come. And, and they've been there. And they've heard the preaching. They've heard the teaching. And today, this homosexual, lesbian couple, married couple, in the eyes of the law, they're married. They're getting baptized in Jesus' name today. Well, don't they have the right to? Because they're going to be taught repentance. They're going to get baptized in Jesus' name. And if they're really sincere about what they're doing, they've made the decision. You know what's going to happen? God's going to wash sin away. And this may be the door opening to them realizing, I can't live this life anymore. But the only reason that they're making that trip to the water to be baptized in Jesus' name is because somebody didn't show them the door when they showed up. Somebody said, you're welcome here. We love you. And we're going to preach. We're going to preach to you. We're going to love you. We're going to let you be around. And hey, look what's happening. And you know what? I know there's some people that'd be like, "Mm -mm." they don't get to be baptized. If they don't, we don't. This is what I'm talking about. This is people, this world is so messed up. What kind of sinners do you think we're going to see? You know what you don't see on the altar anymore? A deck of cards and and snuff and cigarettes and things like that. Uh, That ain't the stuff that people's caught up in anymore. So now it's stuff they can't just lay on the altar that you can see. It's the perversions and deviant lifestyles that they have that's got to, they've got to be delivered of. What kind of people do you think we're going to see if we're reaching for the lost? Oh, it's going to come. And, and you better know that we're going to love them. And we're, going to, we're not here to, to put a stamp of approval on uh, sinful lifestyles, but we will love people because Jesus loves people. And he never changed who he was. And it didn't change him who he was. Because he was everything they needed, just like he was. And I'm telling you, the church, when it gets this love right, we're everything that this world's going to need. So we want to make sure that uh, we are loving people and caring for people. It's all through the Scripture. Paul was uh, deeply uh, cared about those when he, you could read in his writings, he, he was always, even if he was kind of scolding them and, and really straightening the line up some, he, you could tell that he loved the people he was preaching to and writing to. And, and in, the, uh, in his letters to the church at Ephesus, Philippi, and even in Thessalonica, we see uh, his concern that he had and the love that he cared for saints in these churches. In First Thessalonians 3 and 12 and 13, this is... What he said is like a prayer for these people. He said, And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another. We're really, you know, get caught up sometimes about increasing and abounding in things and in people and in uh programs and there's all kinds of things that we can get our focus on that we're trying to make grow. But Paul, remember what he said about if I didn't have love, he said I could have faith to move mountains. 
I can understand all kinds of revelations. I can do all this. But if I don't have love, it's nothing. And so Paul understands that the church needs to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men. So, hey, you got to love each other, saints. Well, oh, we got that. Man, we have fellowships and we have dinners and we have services and we're always hugging necks and shaking hands. We love each other and all men. Oh, you mean visitors? Sure. You mean people outside these four walls? Absolutely. You mean people that don't believe like me? Right. You mean people who don't live the same lifestyle I do? Exactly. You mean people with alcohol and cigarette smoke in their breath? Sure. Yeah. You mean people that are glassy-eyed and high as a kite when I'm talking to them? Without a doubt. Because that's the kind of people that Jesus is trying to save. And I want to tell you something. is There are drug addict preachers and missionaries hanging out in downtown Athens and hanging out in downtown Atlanta. There are, there are kids that are twisted up and mixed up. You know, they don't know. But boy, one day they're going to preach a message and souls are going to find their way to the altar. But it's going to take the love of God to set it free in them. You care if I tell that about them? Where Sister Lindsay goes to church, they're driving a bus ministry, picking up kids. She got a phone call on her bus. The lady just wanted to make her aware. You have two boys on your bus that identify as girls. Eight years old. Eight. She said, I didn't even know there was any boys on my bus. They were dressed like girls. They came to church, came to children's church, and one of them received the Holy Ghost. Dressed like a girl. What's God going to do? You can't stop him. Somebody was not so repulsed by the fact that this eight-year-old was dressed like a girl that they said, I'm going to pray for you anyway. And this child was filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, now there's a mom that's a recovering addict and there's another brother that's in, in this situation too, another child. And, and God's just waiting to do uh, who's going to love them. Uh, oh, it, it looks, I mean, we look, oh man, we're outnumbered. Look all around us. This, there's more of them than there is of us. Don't matter. The prophet and his servant looked out the door one day in the service and said, oh my, this is it. How are we going to do? God opened his eyes and showed him. And all around, he said, don't worry, there's more for us than there be against us. And I'm telling you, what God has got for us that the world can't see is enough to win this world. It'll win the battle. It'll protect us. It'll take care of us. And it will cause people's lives to change. It will snatch people. It's some you say, pull them out of the fire. It is strong enough to pull people out of the fire. And then we have compassion making a difference. So the Lord, God, make us to increase and abound in love. What does that mean? It means you've got to go past your present parameters of where you think stops because it don't stop you know, because you can't measure God's love but, but we box it in but when he said I want you to abound in it I want you to increase that means go farther than you've ever gone 
get the mind of Christ, get the attitude of Jesus and let love go. Just let it flow. Let it out there. Just uh, don't, don't stop it. Don't stop it up when you see a certain somebody or a certain group or you know, don't be like, Oh, well, I love everybody. I don't love you. I love, love. You can't, you can't stop it and start it, stop it and start it. If you're going to increase, if you say, I, I, oh, you ever praise, oh, I want to love people like you did God. Then can you love the same people who are just like you were? Can you love people who are lost? You think about how ungodly you were maybe before you came to God. Like, and now when we see somebody, maybe you, you are careful, you'll catch yourself. Somebody doing something that you maybe did in your past. And you won't go, mm. And God won't go, mm. <laughs> and he lets you hear him when he does that too. Because that's that feeling you, oh, sorry. I didn't mean to. <clears throat> and he can see your face too. He knows, he, he, you, know, you know, people say, I don't say nothing, but my face gives me away. God sees that too. Listen, love without limits is going to change the world. And so he said, we got to love each other, get better about loving our brothers and sisters, and we have got to get better about loving all men, even as we do toward you, to the end that he may establish your hearts. See what happens? You get better when you learn to love like God. It will establish your heart unblameable in holiness before God. Even our, well, I was like, how can I be? He said, be holy as he's holy. How can I do that? Love people is one good way to get it going. Because when you can love God with everything that's in you and then love others as yourself, you're on the right track. Jesus said you have answered correctly. That's the right answer. But don't stop. Don't try to tear it apart farther and say, well, I got the serving God stuff down, but what about this? Who else am I? Anybody else. Anybody is your neighbor. So Paul prayed, increase and inbound. Go past your present borders. Expand your belief about love and put it to more and more practice. Don't just, you'll never increase with it if you're just holding on to it. Because we can think, man, I love everybody. You can say it out loud. You can write it in your journal. You can post it on your Facebook page. But until you actually do it, it don't mean nothing. It don't mean nothing until you can preach or pray or just be a friend to one of those people who are so lost. Until you can hug the neck of somebody who, who probably had a shower in a week and, and, and pray with them and talk and earnestly talk to them. You know, hey, I know. How, how bad it can be. And we think, man, I, I, I just can't picture myself doing that. Jesus just walked among them. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know where we changed our idea because they're all around us. And how are they going to hear? How are they going to be saved if those of us that have been washed and being saved or not loving them and reaching for them. Because it, there's no doubt that God loves them. But they don't know God. And they're waiting for somebody to introduce them to a love and to a joy 
into a peace, into something better. Jesus was always talking about love, always speaking about it. In John 13, 34 and 35, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. So we're supposed to love others the way he loved us, not the way the world loved us. Well, if, you know, if you love everybody, I'm just going to love them the way my best friend loves me. Then you'll only love people that's like you. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, they always talk about, you know, I know what it's like parents loving their kids. How much they, I'm going to love every, people like, I, you know, like just this way my mom and daddy loved me. Well, even that ain't good enough. Because that's not the love of God. You've got to love people the way God loved people. You've got to love people the way God loved you. When, when you was just jacked up and messed up and, man, oh, my goodness, I can think of things. And I'm like, Lord, I, can't, I sure wish you hadn't seen that. And I know he did. I wish you had not heard. You think back to something, you go, oh, I wish God hadn't heard me say that or I wish God had not seen me do that. Man, I think about before I knew God. Places I went on the weekends, I'm like, oh, I wish he didn't have access to that. But he did. Saw every stupid thing I did. You know what he did? Loved me. You know what he did when I prayed? Forgave me. You know what he did when I went in the water? Washed me. You know what he did? Filled me. You know why? Because he loved me. Oh, worthless, good for nothing in my eyes. But he was like, I know what you can be if you just let love, let this love get on you. If you'll just let me love you, child, you'll see what you can be. And boy, we ought to be here, let that ring in our ears when we're talking to others. Hey, if you would just let God love you, you'll see what you can be. You'll see what can happen. He showed us how we should treat one another in the body of Christ. I can tell now this is going to get away from me. I need another little bit to preach. How we treat each other in the church, this is important, is a distinct testimony to those outside the church because he said, all men shall know that you are my disciples if you have loved one to another. And so we've got to love one another. If we can't get it right in here, it ain't going to work out there. And if, if you just love people out there but don't love people in here, that's a whole new problem. So we need to make sure we've got it right. Treat each other so we know how to treat each other outside. We never know who's watching us. You don't know who you are to influence. Our respect and love for one another is key to others recognizing our commitment to God and His ways. In this scripture, it uncovers the way we are to love one another just as Christ has loved us. This unconditional love of Jesus is what sacrificial love looks like. So sacrificial love, if something is a sacrifice, it costs you something. If we're going to love without limits, it's, that's a sacrifice. It's going to cost you something sometimes. I'm not talking about dollars. I'm talking about it's going to cost some of your time, some of your effort, some of your prayer, some of your faith, some of your anointing. It's going to cost you ministering and reaching and expressing love. It's going to, you're going to have to give outside of yourself. You have to, to be willing to say, okay, they are not like me. Woo, I'm a little nervous. I'm a little scared. But God wants me to love people. 
Can we do it? We've got to. We've got to. Do you know how eternal life is tied up in this? The man wanted to know, what do I do to have eternal life? Well, what's the law say? Love the Lord with everything that's in you. I'm shortening it. But you know, love God with everything you've got. And he said it out of his own mouth. And my neighbor as myself. Who was he thinking his neighbor was? Just the people on his street, in his house, in his synagogue that were Jews? Is that what he's thinking? But this is tied to eternal life. Oh, so many people like, the only thing you got to do to have eternal life is John 3.16. Well, if you would just open up John 3.16 and see what that really means, then you'd, yeah. you, you might could say that. But they like, all i got to do is believe. I ain't got to do nothing else. I ain't got to love nobody. I ain't got to help nobody. I ain't got to reach for nobody. But the Lord said what's written in the law about eternal life is loving God and loving others. Yeah. At the end, he said, I'm going to divide them to the right and left based on this. When you saw me hungry, you fed me. When I didn't have no clothes on, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. When did we do that? When you did it to the least of these. And the other group's going to say, when didn't we do that? When you didn't do it to the least of these. Well, the dividing factor is what are we doing with others? Oh, we got God. Oh, I got God. I mean, God's tight. We're right. And God's going, how come you're not reaching for the people that I died for? How come you're not reaching out? How come you're not talking to them? How come you're not ministering? How come you're not helping the cause? Well, God, get them, God. Save them, God. That's a prayer we pray a lot. And I know God's got to be the one to save them. So I understand sometimes what we're saying. But too many times, translated, that was really saying, God, you do all the work. You get them in here. I'll put them in that water. Why don't you just go ahead and talk to them about it? Well, well, well. Love's a lot more than Cupid and Valentine, ain't it? Somebody wrote a song one time and said, what love got to do with it? Everything. (laughs) Everything. Everything that we do is tied up in love and tied up in the love of God and love for Ourself, we got to love ourselves. You got to see yourself the way God sees you, but you got to love others as yourself. No man ever yet hated his own flesh, but would cherish it and nourish it. That's what Paul wrote. And so, if that's the way I am to myself, I don't hate myself and I take care of myself, why am I not showing that same kind of compassion to others? Well, they, they made the bed, let them lay in it. You know what? They're going to lay in it because you reap what you sow. But it's waiting on somebody to come by and find them half dead. But half dead is half alive. And as long as there's life, there's hope. As long as there's breath, there's hope. And as long as as you can talk to them, there's hope that they will listen. Maybe they won't. But maybe they will. You, You might help resurrect and, and, and bring back to life and bring back to health the next Lee Stone King or somebody. It might be a, a great prophet suffering right now, waiting on somebody to tell him about the one he's supposed to serve. Yeah. Yeah. Man.
What a great subject. And man, if, if we can just get it and get it right, you can't build buildings big enough to hold the multitudes that are going to come if we get it right. You see, the way people follow Jesus, 5,000 out in a desert, 4,000 women, children out in a desert, hillside, mountainsides full of people flocking to him, thronging him wherever he went. They had enough room to move. Why? Because he loved them. Because they were broken and messed up and jacked up and he didn't turn them away. He just loved them. So Paul is telling us we've got to get this right and we've got to increase in it and we've got to abound. And so in 1 Thessalonians 3 and 12, just remember again, make you increase, abound in love one toward another, toward all men, even as we do toward you because Paul knows that it was impossible for him, it's impossible for you and me or any church to work up the kind of love that could reach out and abound toward all men. A love that could love those who ignore, neglect, abuse, and shamefully treat us could only come from God. Don't get me wrong, it don't happen overnight. When you get saved, you might have some rose-colored glasses on when you first come to God. Especially when it comes to the church. You think, man, ain't nobody in the church. Ain't everybody in church has got it right. Well, I remember when I got woke up from that. It was like, wow. I thought everybody had the Holy Ghost couldn't do no wrong. But I found out that wasn't true. But the only way you can love people that are unlike you, unlike me, unlike God, is from God. It's a love that comes from him. You ain't got enough love in you to love that kind of person. You can't do it. If we can't save ourselves, we surely can't love those that are unsavable. Except, you know, that we can't save, only God can save them. So God gives us that love. I believe when that Holy Ghost comes on us, that, that dunamis, that power, it's not just power to speak in tongues and cast devils out, it's the power to love. It's, the, it's his innate ability it's that that is who he is he's he's never less than who he is anywhere even in that little bit of peace he gave us that dwells inside of us it's still the fullness it's god and it's the love of god inside of us let it out let it out and then uh we've got to know the direction that love must take it's got to be toward one another and then it's got to be toward all men. We've got to get love moving in the right direction. We can't just keep it bottled up and love only ourselves. We've got to love our brother and sister. And we've got to love one another. Man, running out of time. Jesus even told us, love our enemies. Luke 6 and 35. Love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting or getting anything back. You just do it. Don't reach for people just for the reward. Do it because it's the right thing to do. We try to pick out the one we think. Oh, I've seen people do it. 
I'm going to find the one that looks the most busted up when they hit that altar because I know they're going to pray through the Holy Ghost. Then they'll say, I can say, whoo, I prayed somebody through the Holy Ghost. Look for the one that looks in the worst shape because I'll get the most result. Shame. <laughs> it's true. You ever seen that happen? I've seen it happen. They, they perch like they're sitting on a fence watching. I'm going to see which one looks bad. And I'm going to get them prayed through. And everybody's going to say, man, when he prays for folks, things happen. Shame. That ain't love. God done that without you. You was just there. <laughs> Let me tell you. But, but we do it because it's right. You, you know, pray for that one that's like a statue. <laughs> Tight lip. Like the tin man. It was... Get some oil on that mouth. He can't move. He can't say nothing. You ever prayed for one something like that? You in their ear saying, "You got to say something. <laughs> Just say Jesus. Just open. Are you breathing? <laughs> yeah, that's the ones. Let's see where that love's at. If you stick with them instead of saying, "Okay, I'm going to find somebody else." <laughs> Don't pray for the ones over there already doing this like you made that happen. Mm-mm. Gotta love them. Honey, come on up here. So I'll get off. I'll get out of here in a second. Just, you better come on to this music. I'm going to take too much time. Practicing this kind of love, loving others, it will result in God establishing strong hearts within us. It will make us blameless and holy. It won't happen overnight, but it will happen with practice as we increase in it and abound in it. The act of love requires great patience at times. Be patient with people. They don't always pray through the first time. They don't always get it the first time. They don't always want to serve God the first time. Believe it or not, they'll they'll push back. But you just keep loving them. I pushed back and God just kept loving me. And here I am today. And so the way we can show love to those who are unbelievers, number one, remember who you were. And then uh, uh, be kind to them and minister to them. And and, uh, it is possible to love people without agreeing with their personal lifestyles. You don't have to partake in it. You just love them. Jesus never again, he never changed who he was to reach all types of people. And it didn't change him because he was tempted in all points as we were, yet without sin. That means he was around it all and it didn't change him. But his love, look how many people his love saved. How many people's lives were made better. How many people that were found clothed and in their right mind sitting at his feet. Romans 12, 9 and 10 says, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. And so here's what it looks like, and you can stand with me this morning. This is what love must look like when it is at work in the lives of believers. Number one, it must not be hypocritical. It cannot be fake. You get spotted right off. It must be sincere, genuine, not just for other believers, but for all humanity. It should result in us hating that which is evil. True Christ-like love should be desiring good things for others. 
And if this is the case, we will hate evil because it is set out to destroy humanity. We must stand strong against evil. The third thing is love should result in us cleaving to that which is good. And this is a clear picture that we must attach ourselves to the things that are good, desire good things to happen in the lives of our brothers and our sisters and any man. Paul said, but as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write unto you. This is something he's basically telling them, you ought to know. As touching that, I really shouldn't even write to you because maybe it was because they were really doing a good job at it. But I do realize today that it doesn't matter how good we're doing, there's always room for improvement. And so let it abound. Let it increase. Let the love of God flow in your life. Remember that it wasn't just for you. He didn't die just to save you for you. He said, but I'm going to make you the light of the world. An influence. People need a marker. They need to know how to get here. Well, that used to be the way they did it. They put a light up so people could see where to go. Before road signs and GPS, they'd put a light up on a high mountain somewhere and they could see it for miles and miles and miles and they'd know where to go. So if we let our light so shine before men, let that light and that love shine out, I'm going to draw people out of some dark places. But the love of God is strong enough It's great enough. It's powerful enough to change them without damaging the church at all. Praise God. Let's lift our hands and pray this morning. Ask God for that love. God, I want to increase. I want to abound in love. Hallelujah. Oh, I want to love my brothers and sisters. I want to be a help to this body. Lord, I want to help the ministry. I want to help those that are, are saved and washed. God, I want to encourage them that their faith won't fail, but Lord, there's a host of people who don't even know you. And God, I don't want to be so focused on this building and what's going on inside of it that I forget that outside these four walls, there are hurt and broken people. There are lost people that are they're on their way to a devil's hell if somebody don't step in and, and help them. They're going to die lost without you if we don't reach for them. Who's going to do it? God, I pray we do. Lord, let love increase and abound in this church toward one another and toward every man alive. We ask it today in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands and love him for a moment. Hallelujah. Just worship the Lord for a moment. Hallelujah. 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 It's going to make a difference. It's going to make a difference. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You know, sometimes we worry. What do I have? I don't have anything to give. It don't cost nothing to love people. Some of the greatest words that could ever be said about you is if somebody would say, you know, they really love people. It ain't about because you always had money to put in their hand or anything like that. 
But just by being around you, they felt like they could live because they knew that at least one person loved them. So love people, and we're going to see a great revival. Let's find a place to pray before the next service, and God bless you this morning.